All right. Well, I'm glad you came back tonight. Thanks for coming back. I heard I asked before I had said, so when's church normally end? You know, how long does your pastor normally go? And I said, well, Pastor Stewart, sometimes he goes long. And I said, challenge accepted. <laughs> challenge accepted. I was saying uh, to these ladies down here in the front after the service, I said, you know, what I like to do if I ever get a chance, an opportunity to preach anywhere. I like to just go longer than the pastor. So when he comes back, you guys are like, thank you, pastor, you know, thank you for not going as long as that other guy. And uh, so, but uh, we're going to try to keep it wrapped up uh, a little bit here this evening. First John chapter number one, it has been good to be here and it has been good to get to know some of you and at least say hi and uh, those kind of things. So... <clears throat> And uh, we do pray for you and your church and your pastor. And uh, if you're ever up uh, on vacation or coming through or on a Thursday night, we have a Thursday night midweek service and uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, of course. And uh, But if you're ever around, please, you can stop in Faith Baptist Church in Chehalis. If you just go north on five for about 45 minutes after you get on it, you'll be there. That's where we are. And so... <clears throat> The Lord's given us a church and a work there, and I'm thankful to be a part of that as well. But again, I just appreciate it. We went out and got some uh, some Mexican food down the road here in town, and that was a blessing as well. So just thank you for your kindness, and uh, glad we could be here. And um, and let's go ahead and preach tonight. Let's get into the Word of God tonight. First John chapter number one. First John chapter number one, we're going to start reading here in verse number four. First John chapter one, verse number four. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Let's go ahead and pray this evening. Lord, thank you again for the opportunity to open up your word, your pure and perfect book. Thank you for it. Thank you for the freedom in this country to still have a copy of it and to hold it in our laps and to read it. And, uh, Lord, to carry it around with us and to proclaim the word of God and to proclaim Christ. Thank you for that freedom that we still have. Thank you for those that have come out tonight. Lord, I pray that you would bless them and your Holy Spirit would speak to them. Lord, I pray that you bless anyone that might be watching online. You'd be with Pastor uh, as he is at home. Be with Brother Stewart and his wife as uh, he's there recovering. And, Lord, I pray that you'd put your healing hand upon him. And, Lord, thank you for this opportunity to be together. 
And Lord, to lift up your name. Thank you for being such a good God to us. In Jesus' name, amen. First John chapter number one, we're going to be in verse number nine. We'll be looking at some of the other verses here and we'll run some more scriptures. But verse number nine, I want to draw out some things here about this verse. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm thankful that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ was enough to cover my sins All the sins before I got saved. And I got saved when I was five years old. So the list wasn't, you know, it wasn't too big uh, of sins. But yet, because of the sin nature of man, uh, I was a sinner on my way to hell like anybody else. Uh, And I'm glad that when I bowed my head as a five-year-old beside my bed after a Sunday night service, and my dad had come in and asked me the, the right questions, if I knew what I was talking about, if I knew what salvation meant, if I knew what sin meant, Uh, And it's good to take that time, especially with children, to make sure that there's a clarity there. There's nothing wrong with waiting to see or or waiting until children fully understand what sin is and that it's against God. uh, And before uh, before they get saved and before you lead uh, them in a prayer, uh, it's good that they understand. And if they're uh, if they don't have a full understanding of sin, then I say this is that they're safe. They might not be saved, but they're safe until they have a full understanding of salvation. And then they can accept the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm glad that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ was enough to cover the sin that I had before I got saved. I'm also very thankful that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can cover and forgive my sin since I've been saved. I'm thankful for that because, like I said, I was saved when I was five years old. Uh, I'm 44 now, uh, so I've been saved for a, a decent chunk of my life, right? And uh, I've committed way more sins and way more egregious things against God since I've been saved than before I was saved. Now, I understand some people get saved later in life and they say, boy, you don't want to hear my testimony about how I lived before I got saved. And so maybe since you got saved, you haven't been in those dark recesses of sin and thank God for that. But when you do sin against God, the Bible says that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I thank God for that. I thank God for that. The Bible says in verse number nine, if we confess our sins. If we confess our sins, it's important for you to confess your sins to God. It's important for you when you do something the Lord has told you to stop doing, or when you don't do the thing that the Lord has told you to do, that you confess that sin before God and get it right. We're not talking about a confession here in 1 John 1, 9 for your salvation. We're talking about a confession here for your fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some people have trouble confessing their sins. They have trouble uh, confessing their sins before God. They have trouble uh, humbling themselves before God and saying, Lord, I messed up. Because oftentimes I get on my face before the Lord and say, Lord, I messed up again. And boy, I can't wait until we, until we stand before the Lord in a, in a glorified body. And I don't have to say, I'm sorry again. I don't have to, when we get that glorified body and we put on that, we put off this mortality and put on immortality, we're going to be able to say, Lord, 
I can serve you and I can, I can worship you with a perfect mind and a perfect body. And down here, boy, it's just, it's a drag to have to keep going to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I let you down. I'm sorry I didn't do what you told me to do. Lord, I'm sorry I said the words and the things that you told me not to say. Lord, I'm sorry the thoughts went in my mind and they stayed there too long. And Lord, I apologize. And Lord, I'm sorry for uh, for doing this and not doing that. And boy, that gets old. That gets discouraging sometimes. But I'm thankful that when we go on our face or on our knees before God or we bow our heads before God, that he forgives us of of our sins if we confess our sins to the Lord, if we confess them. And like I said, this is for fellowship. Say, how do I know? Verse number seven. (laughs) If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. What does that mean? We have fellowship one with another. We have fellowship because verse 5 says God uh, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if if we say that we fellowship with who? With him. And walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with I can have fellowship with the God. I can have fellowship through the blood of Jesus. In his very hand. I don't know why he wants to have fellowship with me. But he will. And we can. And you can go along in your daily life and have a fellowship and a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, with God Almighty. You can have a fellowship with Him. And there is nothing sweeter in this earth than knowing that you're right with God and that you can have a fellowship with God and you can walk with God. There's nothing like it in this life. We can have fellowship with Him if we confess our sins. If we confess our sins, he'll forgive us of our sins. Now, some people have trouble confessing their sins uh, because of verse number six. Verse number six says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. I've never met very many Christians that are walking in darkness on purpose uh, opposite of the things that God would have for them in their lives. And they, they're living their own lives for themselves. They're living it for the pleasures of the flesh and for the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And they're living for themselves and they're walking in darkness. And they can say whatever they want to say. Oh, I love the Lord. And I can worship the Lord this or that or whatever the excuses are. But yet they're not walking after the Lord. They're not trying to serve the Lord. They're not trying to stay away from sin or to live under righteousness. They're just living their lives, doing whatever they want to do. Uh, they're not confessing their sin. They're walking in darkness. They're not confessing their sin. They're doing what they want to do. And if they had to confess uh, every time they did what they want to do, boy, they'd get real tired of it. And one of two things would happen. They'd quit doing wrong or they'd stop confessing. And usually if someone's already decided to walk in darkness, they stopped confessing their sin and they say, "Ah, whatever. And there's not going to be a fellowship there. There's not going to be the opportunity for a sweet fellowship. Some people have trouble confessing their sins because of verse number eight. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. There's a lot of Christians who walk around and they've deceived their own selves. 
That's what the Bible says. The Bible says we're quite capable of doing it. And the flesh is quite capable of lying to us. And so we can deceive our own selves and say, well, we don't have any sin. That's not sin. I'm living in my life and I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not doing the big, bad, awful, terrible sins. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing those things that, you know, we can look out and we can find somebody else outside the walls of this, of these, uh, this building here. Well, they're, oh, see what they're doing? Oh, see what they're doing? Look down in Portland. See what they're doing? I'm not doing that. Right? And we justify ourselves and we say, see, I'm living for God. I'm, I'm not living in sin. And it's because, uh, we've deceived ourselves and the truth is not in us. The more of the truth, that we put in us, boy, the more we find that we are just often no good. <laughs> We're just up to no good. And as long as we can quantify it and make ourselves seem like we're pretty good, I mean, see, we can start talking about the big sins and then we can, we can amen those and, and we can feel pretty comfortable when we start talking about the really bad ones. But when we start talking about stuff like to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Then what do we all have to do? We all have to say, let's have a piano player and we'll just start playing just as I am and we'll have an altar call and we can all just come down and say, Lord, I'm sorry. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Like when the Lord puts on your heart and says, hey, that person over there, give them a gospel track. And you say, oh, Lord, look at the time. I'm so busy. I got stuff to do today. And, uh, man, I just, I need to be on my way and I don't really want to right now. And you get that little, that little feeling in your chest. You're like, ah, I'm kind of nervous about doing it. I don't want to do it. And then you go about your day. What happened? The Bible says sin. It's sin. Why? Because God, the Holy Spirit impressed upon your heart, do this thing. And you didn't do it to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. And, and those that say, we don't have any sin. They've deceived themselves and the truth of God's not in them. <clears throat> They're not in the truth of God. They're not in the, the word of God uh, because the word of God is very, very plain. Now I know as King James Bible believers, that's, you know, well, it's just too hard to understand. Well, I'll, I'll give it to you. Maybe there's some stuff in here you don't understand. I know there's some stuff in here I don't understand. <laughs> Maybe there's some things in here you don't quite understand. You don't really understand what the verse is trying to say and you're not picking up on everything. But what about the stuff you do understand? There's enough stuff in here that we do understand to say, well, I can work on that for a lifetime uh, and and to keep trying to live for the Lord uh, and and not not perfect the things that I do understand. And the Lord is very plain and he's very gracious with us. And the older that we get in the Lord and the more we try to serve the Lord, he's more gracious to teach us and to, to grow us and to get rid of some of that stuff in our lives that, uh, that we should get rid of and add some things into our lives. Listen, it doesn't happen when you first get saved. It doesn't happen all right away. Imagine if the Lord, whenever it was that you got saved, imagine if the Lord just revealed Everything that he wanted you to be, let's say today, because that's that's where we are. That's what we can know. <laughs> let's say that the, the moment you got saved, the Lord said, okay, this is what I'm going to want you to be, and this is how I'm going to want you to act, and this is where I'm going to have you in your life, and this is what I'm going to have you do. Imagine if he just dumped all of that on you the moment you got saved. You know what you'd have done? You'd have probably done what I would have done, ran in the other direction. <laughs> I can't do that. I can't even imagine. Oh, oh my goodness. Like I said, I was raised in a Christian home. I had all the advantages. All the advantages. 
I had parents that said, don't do that because that's wrong. And they, they put a King James Bible in my lap and they said, listen, you're going to have to ultimately answer to this and you're going to have to serve God according to this. Uh, and if you're going to do something for God, it's going to have to be because of this book. And they gave that to me and they did their best. Were they perfect parents? No, because there aren't any. I was really good at raising kids till I had my own. <laughs> I knew how to do it. And then I had my own kids and I was like, oh, I don't really know how to do it. I was real, I knew everything to do. I knew, I knew everything that my pastor should do when I was the associate pastor. And then I became the pastor and I said, I don't know what to do. <laughs> it was so easy in the other chair. How, do, how is it so hard in this chair? Uh, but there's, so, there's so many things that we, that the Lord eventually reveals unto us and lets us know how he wants us to walk in this Christian life. And thank God that he does. And thank God that he continues to have us grow and continues to have things in our lives that we should grow thereby and work on. And so there's things today that the Lord wants you to work on so you can be more like him. And there's some things he wants you to start doing and some things he wants you to stop doing. And there's some things that, uh, there's some things in life. Listen, it makes so much sense when we have to cut out the stuff that we know is wrong. That makes sense to us. We hear a message or we read the word of God and God speaks to us and he says, you should stop doing this. And there's just so many different examples of just the Lord being gracious and long-suffering as we should be with new Christians as well. We should be gracious and long-suffering and say, listen, they don't know how this thing works. They haven't, they, they might, they don't know what a sin is. You, you might have been down the road a while and you can look at someone's life that just gets saved and say, boy, they got a lot of work to do. But they don't know they have a lot of work to do. But guess what happens? Little by little, little by little, little by little, they start getting, they start taking care of some things, getting rid of some things in their life, start adding some things in their lives. Well, that makes sense. Stop doing the stuff that's sinful. Okay. That makes sense. But when the Lord starts to get into the things where we need to just put aside some things that aren't sinful so that he can be first, then we start to say, Lord, but it's not wrong. And the Lord says, yeah, but if you put that aside, you'll, you'll be able to give more towards me. And I'll be able to do more with your life if you put that thing aside. And it's that type of growth that the Lord just brings little by little into our lives. Uh, but there's some that say, oh, I'm fine. I, I, that's what I do is good. I don't have this sin in my life. And uh, the truth, the truth isn't in them. Some people don't confess their sins because of verse number 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. There's some that walk around and they say, well, I don't sin. I don't sin anymore. There's an ultra grace crowd uh, that believes that once you uh, get saved and confess Christ, that his, that you don't have to confess your sins anymore. And that you, you live your life and the, the blood of the Lord at the cross has covered all your past sins and your future sins and you don't have to confess anything and you're just always going to be in God's love. It's just one big bear hug. It's just one big hug of God until you go to glory. And, uh, that's, that's just not biblical. It's just, it's not a correct biblical outlook on things. Uh, why? Because being saved is one thing. If you're saved, if you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, you are going to go to heaven 
when you die or when the Lord comes back. Uh, it's the eternal security of the believer. And uh, God has separated our souls and we are sanctified uh, forever in the eyes of God. He looks down at us and he says, that's my child right there. Because of the blood of, the, of my son, Jesus Christ, that's my child. And yet, just like these three are my children, any blood test would prove it. Our fellowship is not always what it should be when they don't listen. When they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, the fellowship is not, it's not a big bear hug. It's not all just hugs and kisses and chocolate sundaes and McDonald's, right? It's not that. It's not that when the fellowship gets broken, when there's something that comes in between us and the Lord, there's something there where the fellowship is not right, and we need to confess our sin and get it right to have a fellowship with God. Look in Leviticus chapter number 5. Leviticus chapter 5. Leviticus 5, let's look in verse number 5. The book of Leviticus 5, 5. And it shall be, when he shall be guilty of one of these things, that he shall confess that he hath sinned in that thing. Verse 6, they start to bring a trespass offering unto the Lord. Skip down to verse number 10. And he shall offer the second for a burnt offering. This is the Levitical priesthood. According to the manner. And the priest shall make an atonement for him for his sin, which he hath sinned. And it shall be forgiven him. Look in verse 13. And the priest shall make an atonement for him as touching his sin, that he hath sinned in one of these, and it shall be forgiven him. And the remnant shall be the priest as a meat offering. Now, the Old Testament sacrifices were uh, different than how you and I do it now. Praise the Lord for that uh, as well. But the Old Testament sacrifices were set up there where uh, when there was a trespass against the law of God, that they would bring a sacrifice unto the Levitical priesthood, and those Levites would uh, offer that sacrifice on the altar, or they would burn that sacrifice on the altar, uh, whether it was a bullock or whether it was a lamb or whether it was turtle doves or whether it was a meat offering. They w- it would bring those things, and they would bring it, and they would offer it up, and, and in this bringing their uh, <clears throat> offering to the Levitical priesthood, it was a confession that they had committed a sin, uh, a trespass against God, and then that offering would be offered unto the Lord, and that offering would appease the Lord, and their sin would be forgiven. And so it wasn't anything like you and I. It was much more of a public thing. And it was much more they would bring it to the priest and they would they would offer that up. But you and I, we don't have to do that. Why? Because Jesus Christ was the great high priest. And so we don't have to go through the priesthood anymore. We can go straight to the throne of God. 
Hebrews chapter number four, we can go boldly to the throne of grace uh, at that time. And we can go straight to God and we can confess our sin, but you see it over and over and over again in the Old Testament. Look in Ezra chapter number 10, the book of Ezra chapter 10. Verse number 11, Ezra chapter 10, verse number 11. Now, therefore, make confession unto the Lord God of your fathers and do his pleasure and separate yourselves from the people of the land and from the strange wives. Confession unto the Lord God of your fathers. Look in Nehemiah chapter number one. Nehemiah one. Verse six. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant. Nehemiah, pray unto the Lord, which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. And God says it over and over again in the Old Testament. And he says, listen, if you commit this sin, you commit this trespass. If you don't bring the offer, Friends, uh, that soul shall be cut off from their people. That soul shall be cut off from their people. Sometimes that meant banishment. Sometimes that meant death. But they were to bring those sacrifices to God. And what would happen? Uh, th- their sin would be in remission and they'd have fellowship with God. And Ezra and Nehemiah and other kings, they would see the nation of Israel going away from God. And God said, if you offer the sacrifices and you come back to the place where I've placed my name, then I will accept these sacrifices and I will bring these people back to myself. And that's what Ezra and Nehemiah are saying. Lord, we've transgressed from you. We've done these. We haven't been serving you right. And we want to offer these sacrifices. It happened several times in the king's of Judah. Several times. Hezekiah had a great revival of Israel and Judah uh, when it was when there was no sacrifices being offered, and he comes back and says, We need to we need to bring this back. And, and Josiah, what happens? They bring the book. They bring the book, and Josiah finds the book, and they read out of the book, and Josiah says, We're in trouble. We haven't been doing any of these sacrifices. We haven't been doing any of the things that God wants us to do. And God's anger and wrath is upon us. And that's why God's judgment is upon us. And and Josiah said, bring in everything that we can, repair the altars, fix up the, the house of God, and let's sacrifice unto God and be back in the graces of God. And even though you and I are uh, covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and not by the blood of bulls and goats, we still, our sin separates us from God for fellowship between us and God. Look in Psalm chapter 32. Psalm 32. Verse number 5, Psalm 32, 5. David, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. 
David says, I'm going to come before God and confess my transgressions. And I'm going to confess my sin and bring it before God. Why? Well, you know the sins of David. You know how he messed up. God was a man after, David was a man after God's own heart, but yet his sins, when he put himself in a wrong place and he took too long of a look and he put himself in the wrong position and sinned against God, uh, you know how, you know his sins. God didn't hide those from us in his word. And what happens? David says, Lord, take not thine Holy Spirit from me. And he says, I haven't, I haven't hid any of my sins, Lord. I'm, I'm confessing my sin before you. And David did it. Why? Because he wanted to be in favor with God. Look in Proverbs chapter 28, verse number 13. Proverbs 28, verse 13. <clears throat> he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. We need to confess our sins and go before God and say, Lord, I'm sorry and confess our sins to, to be in fellowship with God. Lord, I want to, I don't want there to be anything between us. Lord, I want to, I want to have fellowship with you. I want to commune with, with the Holy Spirit of God. And Lord, I want to live and, and have my joy and my thanksgiving, uh, with you, Lord, in, in my life as I walk from day to day. And if you don't know what I mean by that, that means, to walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. To walk in the spirit. What does that mean to walk in the spirit? Well, that means to walk in the spirit. That means you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, like I said this morning, and you say, all right, I see you. I've identified my biggest problem of the day. It's you right there in the mirror. And now I'm going to try to serve God today and I want to serve God today. And God knows I want to serve him today. And you're going to get in the way and you're going to fight me all day until I go back to bed and become unconscious in my sleep. <laughs> you are going to fight me all day long. And when I'm not paying attention, if I'm not walking circumspectly, to use another biblical term, then you're going to trip me up and I'm going to find myself in a position that I want to be in. And so then what do you do? Then you start your day, whatever your day is. It doesn't matter if you're going to school. It doesn't matter if you're going to work. It doesn't matter if you stay home. It doesn't matter if you're retired. It doesn't matter if you have to go to the grocery store. Whatever your day is, you start your day and you say, all right, today, Lord, I want to please you. And I want to do what you want me to do all day today. All right, and so what happens? You start off and off you go. And all of a sudden, if you're saying, Lord, I want to please you, I don't know how to, though, in, 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 in all ways, but I want to. Guess what happens? The Holy Spirit of God inside of you, if you're saved, starts talking to you. Say like an audible voice? No, that would make you sound crazy. But like an audible voice. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit starts to speak to you and starts to deal with your heart. And that's how you think, well, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to do this one thing. And the Lord says, I don't do that. Okay, what should I do? And the Lord says, or you say to yourself, I think I'm in this, I'm in the middle of this conversation. I think I'm going to say this thing. And the Holy Spirit says, don't say that. That won't please me. And you say, oh, okay, I won't say that. And the Lord says, hey, you see that person over there or see that thing? Maybe they need a kind word today. And what do you do? You can go over and give somebody a kind word. 
And you try to do that all day. You try to walk in the spirit. You, you go to the grocery store. And you know what you can do? All right, Lord, what do you want me to buy? Well, I have my list. It's my grocery list. It's what I buy every week. Yeah, but why don't you just pray about it? And go, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? You want me to get all this stuff here? You want me to get that? You want me to do this other thing? Lord, what do you want me to do? <clears throat> and you go through your day, and as, the, as things start to pop into your head, you start to say, oh, yeah, this person in our church, boy, Lord, I pray you bless them. They're going through this thing or this other thing's going on, and, Lord, they have this, this decision to make, or someone's trying to get this job, or, Lord, someone's unsure what they're supposed to do about this other situation. I pray you bless them today, and on you go. And it was just that long, but on you go. And you know what? If you get to the evening and you get to the end of the day and you've been trying to walk in the Holy Spirit of God and have fellowship with God and talk with God and walk with God, you get to the end of the day and you'll be exhausted. Why? Well, because not every decision was just, oh, I'll just do that. I'll just do this other thing. No, it was met with adversity and the spirit and the flesh wanted to do this and the flesh wanted to do this other thing and your eyes wanted to go one place and the Holy Spirit said, don't let him go there. And you wanted to say that thing that you really wanted to say and you thought, ah, man, I really want to do this. But the Holy Spirit gave you some victory and you found the way of escape and all you get to the end of the day and you go, oh, I'm exhausted. I need to sit down. But even when you sit down, you don't have rest because your mind's still working. (laughs) And you get to the end of the day and you say, well, Lord, I might have failed you a couple times today. But thank you for just walking with me and talking with me and giving me the peace. Because when you go over and you encourage that person, it could just be a person you don't even know. When you go over and encourage somebody, the Lord says, you did right. And you say, yes, I got one. I did right. That's one for the plus column. And you go about your day and you confess your sin when it happens. My pastor in New York used to say, keep short accounts with God. Keep short accounts with God. You fail the Lord, say, Lord, I'm sorry. You're driving down the road and say, Lord, I'm sorry. You're at the workplace, Lord, I'm sorry. Wherever it is, you let the Lord down, you apologize, say, Lord, I I messed up right there. I don't want this to be between me and you. Don't wait till the end of the night when you're laying in bed and you're exhausted and you're tired and you're going, all right, so what did I do today? Yeah, where did I mess up? What happened? Oh, you'll forget. And these things will start adding up in your life. And they'll start adding up in your life. And before you know it, it's just another failure. And you don't even confess it anymore. And you just let it go. And things start to add up between you and the Lord. Acts chapter number 19. Acts chapter number 19. Verse number 18, Acts 19, verse 18. This is at Corinth, and they had turned to serve God. And the Bible says in verse number 18, And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Verse 19, Many of them also which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. 
50,000 pieces of silver. That's a lot of silver. Jesus Christ was betrayed for 30. And they brought all their books and all their witchcraft stuff and they brought it all together and they burned them. 50,000 pieces of silver worth that they got rid of. But what were they doing? They were confessing before God. They were confessing their sin. I remember I used to go to a church camp uh, with another church that was... uh I was in Pennsylvania. This was a church in Delaware that we knew. And uh, I would go down with them to a, a youth camp and then come back. We didn't have a local church uh, that we were associated with. And so I would go down there and come back. <clears throat> and I'd usually, once I got on to drive myself, uh, I'd drive down there. And then uh, we'd come back on a Saturday. I'd stay for all day on Sunday because that church service after youth camp Sunday is pretty good. And everyone's pretty fired up and what the Lord do. And, and, uh, then I drive back on Monday. Well, that Sunday afternoon, uh, at this church, what they'd often do is at camp, uh, a week of youth camp is a long time for kids to be away from everything. And believe it or not, a whole week away from junk, people can get right with God. <laughs> it's amazing how that works. And it's just concentrated Bible and concentrated uh, the Lord being put first. And some kids would come back and say, boy, I, uh, I I got some things right with God. And so this pastor would say, hey, Sunday afternoon, bring your junk. What do you mean junk? Oh, the music and the clothes and the garbage that they had collected of the world. And they'd bring it and they'd, they'd, they'd get a dumpster and they'd start a fire in that dumpster. You know what some of those kids got to do? Take some of the junk that they put in their lives and throw it in a the dumpster. They'd throw it. Why? Burn it up. Well, where'd it come from? It came from this passage in scripture. But what did it do? They said, I want to get right with God. And they'd throw it in there and get rid of it and burn it up. And what was it? It was a confession of, God, I want to get this right with you. I'm getting this out of my life. I want to get rid of this stuff and get it out of here. I want to serve God. Unfortunately, there would always be some parents to be like, oh, we spent so much money on that. You should keep it. And now as I'm older, as a pastor, you want to just look at some of those parents and be like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> If your kids want to give, get right and serve God, you've let this junk in your house, let them get rid of it. And, and help them serve God. But, what were they doing? They were confessing and burning that stuff and saying, I'm going to get rid of that. And get rid of that before God. Confessing their sins. You understand that salvation is not confessing your sin to God to get saved. Right? I hope you do understand that. Can, uh, salvation is turning from whatever it was that you were trusting in and turning towards Jesus Christ and confessing Him as Savior. Well, that's in Romans. Romans chapter number 10. Turn there. Romans chapter number 10. Romans chapter 10, verse number 9, the Bible says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's confessing Christ as your Savior, not 
confessing your sin to God and being like, well, I must be saved now. You confess Christ as Savior. I'm putting my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you do that, a whole lot of biblical things happen. The separation and sanctification and regeneration and a whole bunch of shuns happen to you when you get saved and a whole bunch of things go on. But it's not, Lord, I'm sorry for what I did. And then you get saved. You're confessing that Jesus Christ is Savior. And you're confessing him in your life in order to get saved. That's how you get saved. You don't confess your sins. You confess your sins to God after you've been saved in order to have fellowship. In order to have fellowship with God, to be right with God, to have all things right between you and him. First Corinthians chapter number 11. You don't have to turn there, but first Corinthians chapter number 11 is where we would, uh, where we would read generally, uh, for our communion or for the Lord's Supper. Uh, we would read there, and that's where Paul goes back and says, all right, this is what the Lord said. He said, take this and remember me uh, as you eat this bread and, and as you drink this cup, do ye as oft as ye in remembrance of what? Of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, right? That's, that's why we do it, as a remembrance. But he says in that passage, he says, listen, he says, many take this and they sleep. And he doesn't mean that they get tired and take a nap. He says they take it, they, they take the body of Christ unworthily. And he says that it's a time to examine yourselves. Well, what does that mean? If we don't confess our sin before God, how are we supposed to examine ourselves and clean ourselves up so that when we take the time of, of the Lord's table or a communion or whatever you call it here, uh, when, when, there, when you take that time to draw close to God and to remember what he did for us, uh, how, how are you supposed to examine yourself? Or like it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, how are we to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith if we're not looking at our lives and saying, Lord, I've failed you here. I'm sorry, I want to get it right with you. How are we supposed to do that if we're not confessing our sin and cleaning our lives up? We should. We should be doing that. Why? Well, look in Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Look in verse number 5. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure. But he, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised 
thereby. That brings a whole different definition to exercise. <laughs> I thought my parents didn't exercise much as when I was a child. But when I read this verse, I said, oh, they were getting plenty of exercise. Right back there on me <laughs> is what was happening. They were certainly exercising. Uh, but what is this? It's the chastisement that comes from the Lord. And why would we get this chastisement? Because our fellowship's not right. The Lord says, I'm trying to draw you back with this chastisement. It isn't the Lord saying, oh, well, I just, I'm going to do this to you just because. That's not our Lord. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is a God of love, and he's also a God of perfect and pure judgment. And so when we get out of line, when we do wrong, he can't just give us a break, although he's merciful and gracious in our lives. He can't just give us a break because his judgment is holy and it's perfect. And so what happens sometimes he has to chasten us. Sometimes he has to uh, discipline us in order to bring us back for our own betterment. As we start to run and do our own thing, the, the leash is only so long. His grace and mercy only last so long. And then he has to chastise to bring us back to himself to bring us back into the fold. Why? So that we can confess and get it right. We can confess and get it right before God and bring that fellowship back to where it needs to be. That fellowship with God. First John chapter number 1 and verse number 9. The Bible says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful. I'm so thankful that the Lord is faithful. If we confess our sins, the Bible says he is faithful. Look in first, keep your finger here. Look in first Corinthians one, first Corinthians chapter one, verse number nine. Look at what the Bible says. First Corinthians one, nine, God is faithful by whom ye were called. Look, look at what we were called to. Unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We were called unto that fellowship with Jesus Christ and with God the Father. And if we confess our sins, the Bible says he is faithful. He is faithful. Not only is he faithful, he's faithful and he's just. He's faithful and just. He's perfect in his judgment and his justice, he's called the just one. Peter preaching to the Jews and saying, you crucify Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He was the chosen one of God. He was the Messiah. He was the holy one and the just, capital J. That's one of the names of our Savior. He is the just. And why? He's righteous and he's just. He is faithful and just to do what? To forgive us our sins. To forgive us our sins. Say, <clears throat> so, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. If it's that bad, don't tell me. <laughs> That's why the Bible says confess your faults one to another. We don't need to stand up today and start to confess our sins. Confessing our sins, because that, that can be a whole world of mess. We don't want to do that. We can confess our faults one to another. We can do that and we can, we can confess our faults and say, listen, I, my intent was to do this and I, I told you that I was going to do it. 
and that was it was with good intentions, but I got lazy and I didn't do it. What is that? We're confessing our faults one to another, but our sins—that's something between us and God. Uh, that's what we can handle. But when we confess our sins, He's faithful. He's just to forgive us our sins. Forgives them. And he doesn't forgive like you and I do. Well, I can forgive, but I can't forget. That's technically not accurate. Because the very definition of forgiving is is to act like it never happened. Is to have it be beyond and put away. When you say, I'm willing to forgive you, when a Christian brother and sister which we should be able to do is if we say the wrong thing on accident or on purpose, we should be able to go to one another and say, I'm sorry, please forgive me for doing that. I shouldn't have done it. And I already went to the other party or however it worked out. And I've already tried to get, get it right. And I'm trying to get it right with you. You know, we should be able to do, we should be able to go to one another and we should be able to forgive one another. But if we say, I forgive you, don't say, I forgive you. And then look for the first opportunity to get them back. But to say, I forgive you, and then say, Lord, help me, and move on. If a brother trespass against you, you forgive him, and the disciples say, well, how many times are we supposed to do that? Seven times in a day? And he says, no, 70 times seven. You know what the Bible, the disciples say, Lord, increase our faith. I'm like, hey, I can finally put myself in the disciples' shoes. You know, the Lord asks you to do something. You say, Lord, increase my faith. That sounds impossible. I could never do it. But the Lord forgives. We're actually supposed to forgive others as Christ has forgiven you in Ephesians chapter number four. That's what we're supposed to do is to forgive. Why? Because he forgives. We go to the Lord and we say, Lord, I messed up big this time. And Lord, I thought it was just going to be a little thing, and then it sprouted out into this big thing. And Lord, now it's it's out there, and I'm 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 the one to blame. And Lord, I'm coming to you, and I apologize. I'm confessing my sin. And the Lord says, "Okay, okay." And guess what? Because of the blood of His Son, He forgives us of that sin. Now we still might have to pay the dividends. <laughs> the Lord doesn't always say that He's just gonna. Fix that all up and we never have to pay for our sin. That's the other thing. Well, Lord, I asked you to forgive me. Why am I going through this? Because you messed up. <laughs> Lord, I asked you forgiveness. Why doesn't this brother or sister just forgive me? I asked you forgiveness. I asked them forgiveness. We should be good, right? <laughs> no, sometimes not. Sometimes you have to, you know, sometimes you have to wear it for a while. Sometimes it takes some time for you to gain back that trust maybe that you lost. Sometimes you, 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 you commit the sin. Sometimes it takes you a while till you can get that testimony back that you blew it. But God will forgive you. And thank God for that. Thank God for that. It says he forgives us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Boy, to be clean with God. Remember what that feels like? When was the last time you were clean with God? David says, search me, O God. Search me. When was the last time you prayed that? All those sins that you confessed and all the ones you thought you remembered, 
And then you say, Lord, can you show me these sins that I've committed that I, I don't remember? I want to confess and get it right with you. I want to repent and turn from those sins. And Lord says, okay, remember this? Oh, yeah, I do. Remember this other thing? Yeah, that was me. But you remember what it felt like to be clean with God? Remember what it felt like to confess your sins and not to just sweep it under the rug? That You always get figured out. You sweep it under the rug, what happens? Well, eventually the rug gets lifted up and mom and the dad goes, what? what's all this dirt doing under here? <laughs> Parents say, clean your room. You know what the easiest way to clean your room is you're a kid? You're like, well, all this junk's on the floor, but it's open under the bed. <laughs> there we go. It's all picked up now. Oh, look, my closet. We'll just throw it all in here. So when mom pops her head in my room, she looks like it's all clean, but it's all just crammed in the closet. Now you're afraid to open the closet. Because <laughs> it's going to come back and get you. I'm not giving you guys any ideas, all right? This is the wrong way to do it. Why? What happens? Well, eventually you get, you get caught doing that. That doesn't work forever. And so what happens? You spend some time with the Lord and you say, Lord... I just want to spend some time confessing sin. I want to get, I want to be as close to you and as right with you. I want to have fellowship. I don't want anything to be between me and you. I want to hear the Holy Spirit loudly and plainly every day to lead and guide and direct my life. And when I mess it up, I can go to God and say, Lord, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. I did it again. Lord, I'm sorry that this thing happened again. Lord, I repent. I want to turn. Away from that sin. I don't want to commit that sin anymore. And Lord, I need to hear from you. I need the strength from you to quit it. I need the strength from you to do what you want me to do. But boys, it feels good to be clean with God. It feels good to be, you lay your, you lay your head on your pillow at night. And you know that you tried to serve him today. You know that you confessed your sin. And that say, Lord, give me some good rest and give me some strength so that I can get up tomorrow and fight the good fight of faith. And that I can live for you and walk with you and please you. Listen, it's only going to be better for you. I mean, if we want to get selfish about it, (laughs) living our lives for the Lord Jesus Christ is the best life anybody could live. It has the most joy and the most peace. You have purpose in your life. This world gives you no purpose in this life. What, make a dollar so you can spend a dollar? Make more money so you can want more money? Climb the corporate ladder so you have more headaches and more trouble? I mean, the grass is always greener, right? I remember as an electrician, I remember working in the field and sweating and going to these houses and doing all this dirty work and climbing around in attics and all the different stuff that I did as an electrician. I remember thinking, man, if I could only just sit in the office... And, and be a boss. That would be great. And then guess what happened? Well, I changed jobs and I sat in an office and I was a boss. And I got to wear the polo shirt and khaki pants and work boots and drive around and tell people what to do. And guess what happened? There were 80 more problems I didn't even know existed. And I was like, I'd sit in my office and I'd be like answering phone calls and trying to put out fires. And I'd be like, Man, if I could just go back and just run, have a job to do and just do that job, that would be so great. The world puts all these things out there and we're just supposed to chase after them blindly and go after things and, and fit God into our schedule when we can. 
And when we realize that living our lives as full uh, as we can for the Lord Jesus Christ, man, the joy and the peace and the happiness and the fulfillment and all the things just come into play and say, this is the best life. This is the best life. Confess your sins. Keep short accounts with God. Walk with God. Listen to what he has for you. And enjoy the blessings of God in your life. And watch God work and use you to accomplish his will. And don't forget to say thank you, Lord. And to praise God for his goodness and his blessings in your life. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, thank you so much for your word and the truth of your word. Lord, I pray that you would encourage these people that have come out tonight, Lord, and that have come out to hear your word. And Lord, I pray that you would encourage them. You'd speak to their hearts. Lord, maybe there's some that it's been a while since they've spent some time confessing their sins. They've just had good intentions, but things have just gotten away away from them, and they've just gotten away from this biblical mandate of confession. And Lord, I pray that they'd just spend some time and get alone with you and confess their sin, and Lord, the blood of your son would wipe the slate clean. And Lord, even tonight, Lord, not waiting until tomorrow, but to walk in the Spirit, try to hear what you have for us, and your Holy Spirit speak to us. And lead us and guide us, Lord, so that we can please you with our lives. Lord, thank you for these people that come here and support this church and are trying to raise their families for you and trying to live right and figure out some of these young people, figuring out what you want them to do with their life. And Lord, I pray that they would listen to you and they'd follow you and what you want for them. And Lord, it's your uh, Lord, hand of blessing and your mercy and your grace would be upon us as we get ready to close this evening. And Lord, that we could thank you and be quick to thank you and quick to praise you for all the wonderful things you do in our lives. And Lord, bless now this evening and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.